When I mean, good evening, church. Are you ready to praise the Lord tonight?
turn to the person next to you, give them a high five, welcome them officially to Christmas. <laughs> Praise God. Well, welcome to Little Falls Christian Center here tonight and those connected via the live streaming, welcome. And we are going to have a fantastic evening tonight. Do you know that? All right. Well, you know that. So when you know that, then it's going to be like that. So tonight, Pastor Jock will be ministering the word. Let's welcome Pastor Jock. <laughs> Praise God. I just have a couple of announcements to make. This coming Saturday, we will once again have a powerful prayer meeting, 7.30 to 8.30. This past weekend, things are busy happening, I'm telling you. And the intercessors, we are really praying now. We are praying this nation through a storm. Amen. That is God's will. Then... Next week, Sunday, is Christmas, so 8 o'clock the morning here. Be early for your seat. Pastor Harold will be ministering the Word of God, and 8 o'clock sharp, we will start the service. Amen. So bring along those whom you want to bring along. And then the week after that, the Saturday evening will be the New Year's Eve service, and that will be at 6 o'clock the evening. If you come here at 12 o'clock, well, pray before the gate. <laughs> but 6 o'clock Saturday, and then the Sunday will only be a Sunday evening service, and it's going to be good. Amen. Praise God. So I think that is that so now we have the opportunity, as we come closer to the end of this year, to remind ourselves of some things. You know, we always encourage people that to be a giver, you are more blessed when you give than when you receive. But I want to share upon God the giver, because God is the greatest giver of any person. In his throne room, right now, dear child of God, right now, there are things happening going towards God which he will answer. And this is a very important thing to understand. God answers faith. We move God by faith. The Word of God says that the just shall live by faith. If you want anything done in your life, you have to do it by faith. Our connection with God's throne room is by faith. So whatever we do should be by faith, and especially our giving. I want to share on God here, God loves to give. He, God loves to give. He's a giver. 1 John 4 verse 9 says, In this the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, 
that we might live through him. God gave his son. God gave us promises. 2 Peter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's multiplication happening just by knowing Jesus. Just by the fact that you have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. Now we are in a process of obedience. We become like God when we give. It's one of God's great characteristics is that he is a giver. Then God gives us the following. Nehemiah 8 verse 10 says, Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So God gives us his strength, and his strength is joy. It's something you have to click. One of those things, how do I receive strength? Because if he gives us, you think of power. No, joy is strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Obedience to God brings forth his strength in our lives. And that's why you see a person going through troubled times and they have a smile on their face. You better know that that comes from God. Amen. Then Ephesians 3 verse 8 says, To me who am least than the least of all the saints, this was given, that I should preach amongst the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable riches of Christ. That's powerful. That is why we come to Bible school. Because we are searching the unsearchable. There's never a time where you will not have an answer to your problems. And it's all found in this book. Amen. Now, John 16, verse 13. Here comes a powerful one. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what, of what is mine and declare it to you. That's the Holy Spirit. Our greatest gift on earth outside of the fact that the Lord Jesus came to give his life, is the fact that God has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that keeps us together. Without the Holy Spirit, a person becomes dull. And you do not experience God. But by the help of the Holy Spirit, he invigorates our lives. He takes our faith and he multiplies it. 
And we have the opportunity always to show our God that we trust in Him. Amen. And then Hebrews 4 verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. To find mercy in the time of need is enhanced by the fact that we give into the kingdom of God. Because the word of God says it's more blessed. So the moment a person, and we've had opportunity in this month and even tonight, to present unto God our gifts. Do you think God has not taken notice of every person here? He's already prepared a table before you and before your enemies. He will provide for you. Believe it. Believe it. Tonight, believe it. Let us take this opportunity to thank God for this here, how He has taken care of us. Because truly, God has taken care of His people in this church. So let us take this opportunity. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, as we take this opportunity and we read continuously of how much you actually give, we thank you that we have the opportunity to return back to you. Father God, if there's any person tonight with a need here and those listening over the live streaming, we pray that you meet their need according to your riches in glory by Christ Jesus. We take charge against any attack against your people. Lord, what has been taken must be returned. And we declare that tonight, a returning, Father God, because your word do truly say, what a person sows is what you reap. So tonight, as we take this opportunity, we give only unto you because we need your blessing upon our lives. So Father, bless your people tonight as they act by faith in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty holy name. All of us say, Amen. God bless you. Let's have a wonderful evening tonight.
Lord, what a thing it is to know that we have the authority through Christ Jesus. Do we really grasp what it is when you say that through Christ we have the authority? That we can enter into the heavenly places because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, may your spirit minister unto us tonight through your word, which is Christ Jesus. And may we come to understand the reality of who we are in Christ. May you be glorified. And we pray, Father, that you would saturate us with the presence and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And that we take what it is that you have for us. And forever that we will be changed and give glory to you alone, for you are worthy to be praised. We ask this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ and all of God's children agree and we say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you. You know, they can play that song the whole night through and through because we have a champion. It is always humbling and yet such a privilege to share God's word to you. And I want to get straight into it tonight. And I want us to go to the book of 2 Peter, um, chapter 3. And we're going to read from verse 3. 2 Peter, uh, chapter 3. Now, just a little bit of teaching here. When you go to the back of the Bible, you've got Revelation. You move a bit forward, and then you've got Jude. The three books of John. And then you get to Peter. So we're going to go to chapter 3, and I'm going to read for us from verse 3. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? In other words, where is the promise of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. These scoffers are saying, well, nothing has changed. The world is still continuing the way that it is continuing. Verse 5, for this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed, it perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Pay attention. The judgment and perdition will only come to the ungodly men. Verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this. One day is as a thousand years with the Lord and a thousand years as one day. And then lastly, verse 9, and this is the Key verse for this evening's message. For the Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some count slackness, but He is long-suffering toward us, 
Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What a powerful scripture. God's word lives eternally. I'm sure many of you experienced a similar thing when you were raised, when you were taught this one thing. A promise you make is a promise you keep. Who've heard of that saying? A promise you make is a promise you keep. God says here in verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. And we're going to get to that in a while. It was sad and shocking when I started Googling to find some information about promises that people have made. And at the top of it was many, there were many, many global leaders who have made promises and found wanting. In other words, that they've lied. Popular people, famous people, leaders of first world nations in this world. Where is the promise that one can keep nowadays? The question is asked here in verse 4. Where is the promise of our Lord Jesus' coming? And then in verse 9, it is answered. And I'm paraphrasing so that you can understand what this really means. God answers the question, when is the Lord Jesus coming? And he's saying this, it's none of your business. And God is not rude when he says that, but truly, it's none of our business. Because God has never made it about the day that he's going to come. And I want us to just, just understand this for a moment. Imagine for one moment we all knew when Christ is going to come. Imagine, and now just for the sake of illustration, let's say our Lord is going to come Passover next year. So that's April. So we've got four months. Let's say God made it clear that Jesus Christ is coming to the earth Passover next year. What would that mean for us? For the world, absolutely nothing. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ means nothing to the person who doesn't know Jesus. The lost is going to continue in the way that they are living. Nothing is going to change about their lives because it is only the believer that is looking forward to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go to us then the believers. Suppose we have known in four months from now, our Lord Jesus is going to come. What are you going to do about it? I'll tell you what many Christians would do in knowing this. Knowing that there is a time that I can make right with God, many would start living and totally maximizing life here on earth. People will go and do all kinds of crazy things. Even I'm talking Christians about now. People will go probably and maximize their credit cards, go on holidays, resign from their jobs, have lots of fun in this world, do the things that you've never been able to do because you know there is a date now that I can make ready. It has never been about the date because here is the thing why we don't know when Christ is going to come. Because every day that we live, we live as if He's coming now. 
God wants us to live and reflect Christ to the world. If the body of Christ had known when Christ was going to come, very few would have lived Christ and shown to the world what Christ is like because everybody would have wanted to live the life, get the maximum out of it, and supposedly on the last day or two days before the end, come now and repent and be sorrowful and accept Jesus. And most likely that repentance would have been false. So we would have benefited nothing from knowing when our Lord Jesus was coming. That's why God says, it is none of our business because it is not where the focus should be. It is only God's business. It's only God's business when the sun would come. But God gives us promises because here he says, he is not slack concerning his promise. In this scripture, he talks about that promise, the, prom the promise of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But this is the foundation of every other promise because God gives us promises. They are not ordinary promises. In the Greek, in brief, the word promise means this. It is a promise that is guaranteed by God's eternal being. I'll say it again. A promise from God in the Greek, in, 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 in summary, means this. It is a guarantee of a promise by God as the eternal being. In Hebrew, that word means promise. In short, it means this. It's the word of God. Everything that you want to know about a promise of God is in here. It's his word. So when God promises, he speaks his word. And we've grown dull to the promises of God. We have dared going down the pathway and the avenue of doubting, of giving up, questioning if it is really going to happen. But God's promises is his word. And God cannot lie. The word of God says, God is not a man that he would lie. And four things, I probably could have mention it a bit later in tonight's sermon, but I want to start with this. It's not the only four, but I want to give you four key, powerful principles concerning God's promises. Number one, God's promises always points to eternity. It has eternal value. God speaks of the permanence of matters pertaining to His promises. God spoke to Abram and he said to him, from your seed, all those after you will be blessed. And it is still happening because we are of the seed of Abraham if we're born again. God said to David that from your lineage will come the Messiah and the Messiah is here. And the, the proof is that promise is busy being fulfilled and it is still continuing because the Messiah is gonna continue to live and we're gonna live with him. God's promises are eternal. The second thing, God's promises gives us hope. It is the one thing that irks the devil, that he got no, he's got no recourse against that. That the moment a Christian has got hope, you trust and believe in something greater that will assist you. You hope for something to come to change your circumstances. God over hope because the moment that Satan takes hope, you will give up 
in your faith and in believing. So God's promises is based on hope. And that is something that we can stand in. I want to give you a scripture, Isaiah 61 verses 3. This is a promise. It is eternal, but it gives us hope because it says this. God says this. I give you beauty in the place of ashes. That's a promise. It's not something that is there momentarily. It's something that's eternal. God says, I'm giving you the oil of joy instead of mourning. You choose. If you want the oil of joy, that's yours. For the word says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That is eternal. It's not the momentary joy that we experience. It's forever. It is permanent. God says this in that same scripture. He says, I give you a garment of praise, but which you need to replace with a spirit of heaviness. That's a promise. And then God says that you may be called trees of righteousness. That word tree, very interestingly, means strength. The strength of a ram or the strength of an oak tree. So God says he makes you strong when you are in his righteousness. And then he says here that the planting of the Lord, and you will be planted and established in God when you do these things and you take it up. He says that he might be glorified. That is so powerful because it stands, it is eternal, and God will never take it away. We doubt and that is why often we have a spirit of heaviness or we're walking in ashes or mourning because we're not taking up the promise that God gave us. God gave us a replacement to replace the things of the world because the worldly things are all temporary. The kingdom things are all permanent. Third point concerning the power of God's promises. It changes circumstances. When a promise of God is spoken, and you believe it in your life, your circumstance will change. That's a fact. Things move from now to the future. All things of these circumstances because of God's promises changes us to that which lies ahead in the future. Your circumstances changes now, but it has an eternal value. It is permanent. That is the plan with God's promises. And the last one is God's promises are always backed up by his word. God never says something only. He proves it. He doesn't just give a promise in his word. He proves it. And many times, mostly, God proves his promises with a sign. Don't we love signs? Don't we love it when you say, Lord, please do this for me. Please help me with this and give me a sign. The Pharisees came to Jesus and said, give us a sign. And he said to them, they're a faithless generation. But nevertheless, I give you the sign of Jonah. God said to Noah, I will never destroy the earth again. I promise it will never happen. And this promise, I back up with a sign. And the sign is the rainbow. God said to Eli, your sons are evil. And you have not raised them up in the ways of the Lord. I'm going to destroy them. I promise you, I'm going to destroy them. And here is the sign. They will both die on the same day. And so it happened.
God said to Moses, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. And, and Moses didn't want to go. He says, I promise you, you will appear in front of him and I'm gonna give you a sign. Look at that staff in your hand, throw it on the ground and it will turn into a snake. And so he did. God backs up his promises with sign. Hezekiah asked for a sign and the Lord said, I promise you, I will honor that and I will prove to you that you will be healed. And the sign is that the shadow of the sundial will reverse by 10 degrees. God's promises are always, but always backed up by his word. But why is it then that many of us do not have answered prayers, that we're waiting for that breakthrough and that it's not coming? And I wanna place that on one side of this spectrum because we have to look at two sides of this. On this side, we have God says that there are promises, but some promises have not been fulfilled in some of your lives. And for those who are listening via the live stream, you may be thinking, yes, I know God's promises are true, and I know that they are eternal. God says, my promises are yes and amen. Yes, it will happen, and amen, so it will be. It's a double confirmation. But why is my life different? Why are my prayers not answered? So we've got that side, but let's consider for one moment the other side. Let's suppose for one moment, just for one moment, that there were no promises. Imagine for one moment there were no promises. No promises means that there would have been no Bible, no Word of God. That means we would have lived with no hope. There would be no reason to do good. There would be no reason to have faith because faith would have been based on anything that you wanted to have faith in. You would have had no hope, no purpose in life, going nowhere very quickly and continually and eternally. God didn't give us that option. He gave us the other option, that there is a guarantee. And although some people their prayers and their breakthroughs have not come and been answered. We will cover that shortly. And I'll show you things that you can learn from which God reveals through His Word. In 2003 was a very significant time in my life. Actually, it started in 2002 in the middle. That's the, that's the year that I got saved. You see, all my life I thought I was saved. I was raised in a particular congregation and a denomination believing that I was saved. And that night on the 7th of July, I realized one thing. I am not born again. I'm not born again. And my life changed because of that. And the moment that that happened, progressively, God's promises started coming to me and I realized that I do not know this God. And I started spending time in God's Word. And I had this desire that the people in the company that I was working at had to be saved and that they needed to come to know who God is. And I prayed for them. And I started walking in the righteous path. But I saw very little change in the people out there. And it bothered me. For years it bothered me. And then came 2006. My wife and I, we joined Bible school. And one of the pastors came up to me and said these words. He said, you will accelerate in the next couple of years because you are behind. It is time for you to grow in God's word and God is gonna do an acceleration. He said, and your wife is going to wait for you because she's far ahead of you. You need to wake up and you need to catch up. That's what the word was. The pastor in the Bible school told me that. And he was right. 
because I was so far behind. My wife was raised in a church where praying in the Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit, praying for people, believing in the gifts. That was all common for me. It was strange. Well, not even strange, unheard of. And so my journey started. At the end of my three years in 2008, that same pastor came to me. I didn't even know how would he remember this. And he came to me and he said these words. And he said, you have caught up. And now you and your wife will run together. That is a promise of God. And I've never forgotten that. I knew I had to get my side right. You know, a kick up there, you know where. I'm not going to say this. But I had to wake up. Because someone was waiting and I was lacking behind. And I had to run to get there. God's promises. I want to ask you, whom of you here have ever received a prophetic word or a prophetic promise over your life? Just raise your hands for me, please. Many, many. Here's my list over the course of the almost 20 years that I've been saved. I've kept them. I've written them down. And I read often through these. Because you know what this is? You know what God's prophetic word for your life is? It's his promise that things are going to come your way. It's his vision for your life. God is promising that things are going to happen to you and that things are coming your way. And But the question is, what are you doing about it? They can just be mere words. Great promises. Oh, look at him. Look at her. They received another prophetic word. How blessed they are but nothing in their life seems to fall in place. Nothing changes because they don't take this to heart. The one thing we must understand this, please understand this. Prayer is not asking God for something. Get that out of your mind. Prayer is not asking God for something. Prayer is asking God for something that you believe that is going to happen. Great, great difference in that. So whatever you pray, you must believe that it is going to happen. And how, what do you base that belief on? God's promises. You pray God's promises in everything that you pray. If you just pray a normal prayer and there's nothing of this word attached to it, let me tell you what it is. It is just you talking. You are just talking, moaning, complaining, and begging God to change the situation. If you don't attach a promise of God to a prayer that you are praying, nothing is going to happen because as much as God loves you, He doesn't honor your word. He honors His word. Only His word. That's the power of the prophetic word, the promises that God has spoken over your life. I had a very difficult season in 2016 in my own life. And at some point in time, God stopped me in my prayer and he said to me these words, stop praying what you're asking. I've heard you the first time. He says, go back to the promises that I gave you because a couple of months prior to that, the Lord told me, write down 10 promises of my word. And I did. And I wrote it down. And God said to me, that's all you pray from here on in. I don't want to hear another word of asking me in prayer. Just pray my word. And I did that. For months on end, it's all that I prayed. And along this journey, I started learning more scriptures. I only prayed God's scriptures. It is all that I have today. It's all that I have. If you take away God's scripture from my life, I'm nothing. I have nothing. 
That is the power of God's promises. It holds you, it sustains you, it provides you, it gives you revelation, it gives you hope, and Satan cannot take that away from me or from you. That is the power of God's promises that he has for all of us. You know what the first of those 10 scriptures were concerning God's promises? I know the thoughts that I have towards you. They are thoughts of good and not of evil. Thoughts that you may have a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. I will never forget that. I still know those 10 scriptures. You know what the last one of that was? So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I've sent it. That's God promising that he will bring it to pass. And he's been doing it all along in my life. And he will do it for you as well. And I know many of you here are witnesses of that as well. God is doing it for you. So what reason have we to give up and to doubt? You know, presently the Soccer World Cup is underway. And I know it's the final that's being played at the moment. And I love sports. But obviously that's a, I want to say it's a stronghold that the Lord dealt with me many years ago. So occasionally I watch a few things here and there. I still love it. I still appreciate this. And something happened in the Soccer World Cup that really caught my attention. Sadly so. And for those of you who do not understand soccer or the, how a World Cup works, just in a quick nutshell, a bunch of teams play. They're all divided in pools. Four teams in a pool. The top two teams, they play round robin against one another. The top two teams advance to the next stage. When they get to that stage... It's what they call sudden death. You play the opposite team. If you win, you go through to the quarterfinals. And if you lose, you're out. You're going home. So something happens when these quarterfinals and the last 16 rounds happen. When the score is still even at the end of full time, the teams go to a penalty shootout. So each team gets a turn to shoot at the, um, at the goal box with the goalkeeper standing there. And the team who gets the most goals into the net in, within five attempts that team wins and they advance. If the scores are still even, it continues until it's another sudden death. Bottom line is, I saw something quite horrific. I saw teams in those moments, and there were quite a few games, that they had to go to penalty shootouts. I suddenly see teams, they're all huddling together, and they start praying, and they start praying. And I know what they're praying. Lord, I want to win. Let them miss and let, 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 let ours go in. That's what they're praying. And on the other side of the field, the same team praying exactly the same thing. So now you're, now you're thinking, Lord, whose prayer are you going to answer here? And now the camera goes to the stadium and the, and the support is praying just as loud. They're all raising, the, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering to myself, God, this stadium is filled with many Christians because they're all praying. And then I realized the shocking truth. None of those people's lives are going to change because of their prayer. Because I know some of those soccer players. I follow things and I read. They live. They live an ungodly life and now suddenly they are praying. The person who is praying to win, they've got a 50-50 chance of winning that prayer. If God answers their prayer, the spectators as well as the team, they will think, oh well, this is how it works. You pray a quick prayer and God answers. So I don't have to change anything in my life because this is how prayer works. The team on the other side who loses will think, oh well, I have prayed, God didn't hear my prayer, so God doesn't exist because he doesn't hear my prayers. No one is better off. They make prayer cheap. In their prayers, there's no promise that they connect to their prayers. That is not praying. That is selfish adoration for their own likes, and they make prayer cheap. 
And God scoffs at that because that is not prayer. That is not calling God's promises into existence. That is ignoring God, wanting to selfishly only satisfy your own flesh and your own desires. That is not God's promises. I want to get to verse 9 quickly. Just want to summarize something for you. God says he's not slack concerning his promises. God is not lazy. That's what the word says, slack. God is not lazy. God is not laid back concerning all of this. God answers prayers. He says he's not slack concerning his promises. People lose hope. They lose faith and they start doubting because they think God has forgotten about them. Where does God forget about the promises of his in the Bible? There's no record of that. God never forgets about his promises. Then he says, he's long-suffering towards us. That means he's patient. And we look at patience and we think, oh, that word patient. I hate patience. Patience is a negative word. That means I've got to wait. I've got to wait. When is this going to happen? The world sells us this concerning patience. They say it's frustration. It is waiting. It is delaying. But listen to what God says about patience. He says this. I want you to become like me because I am God who is patient. That is a godly character trait. So be honored when God calls you to be patient because God is asking you to become like him because he is patient. The second thing about patient, God says this, it is a fruit. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Read the Bible, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And the third thing he says about patience you will change because of patience, because patience will produce perseverance. You will persevere. You will hold on to God's promises, because when you are patient and your time has not yet come, God is saying you're not ready to receive your breakthrough. You are not ready to receive that answered prayer, because you must change. You must come in line. What I have for you is going to come, but all you need to do, align yourself with me, says the Lord. Align yourself with me. My promise is going to come to pass in your life. This is what God's word says. He says, but you will learn to persevere, and at the moment that you are ready, your breakthrough is going to come. God has never stopped any of his promises to come into fruition in people's lives. We have stopped in our faith that these things would not happen. That is what God's promises is. And then he closes off, he says this. God wants none to perish, but that all will come to repentance. You must know how much God loves us. He says he wants no one no one to perish. You know what that word perish means? It means God wants no one to go to hell. That's why he's patient and that's why he wants us to hang on to his promises. He wants no one to go to hell. Why? You know what it says here? He wants no one to suffer his wrath and his coming judgment. Because God knows what is coming with his wrath and his judgment. That is reserved for the devil, Satan, and all the fallen angels. But now, unbelievers have added themselves to this equation. They don't know what's coming. God's wrath 
And His judgment is coming. And God says, He doesn't want us to experience that. That's why He gave us the promise, the promise of salvation. That is why He gave us the promise, the promise of a Savior. That's why He gave us a promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit. God's Word is full of promises. And He says to us, hold on to these promises because you should not endure this. I've given everyone the opportunity to come to salvation, but few chose this. And therefore, they are gonna suffer God's wrath and God's judgment. Listen to what he says in Ezekiel 33 and 11, and I'm coming to a close here. Ezekiel 33, 11, God says this, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house of Israel? Why should they die? I asked God this once, and I just asked. I said, Lord, help me understand. God didn't have to answer me. I said, I want to understand why you have not sent your son as yet. I'm not doubting it. I have total faith in it. I don't need for, it to come to, for, for him to come today or whenever. I just want to understand, Lord, why has Jesus Christ not come to rapture the church? And God very softly answered me. He said, there are people's names who are supposed to be in the Lamb's Book of Life who are not there yet. I cannot send my son. And I was horrified because you know what this means? We are failing. The body of Christ is not out there evangelizing, calling in the lost and telling them to come in, sharing who God is, who Christ is, who the Holy Spirit is, and bringing them into the kingdom of God. We are the only ones. We, we, we have the light in us. We are the only ones who are going to show the light into the world. That lies on us. I ask you in closing, what prayers are you praying to come to pass? What promises are you standing on in hoping that that is coming to pass? What is it that you're praying? What is a breakthrough? Just one. Think of it. One breakthrough that you really desiring to come to pass. And then I want to ask you, is there a promise of God attached to that prayer request? I will share one with you from my personal side. I'm burdened because many of my family are not saved. Many of them are not saved. Some of them and many of them are good people, but they're not saved. I'm burdened with that. And I pray almost daily for that. Praying for my family and my wife's family. And I go as far back as my uncles and my aunts and my cousins and their spouses and their children. I pray them. Sometimes I pray for them by name and sometimes just holistic, holistically as a group. But I hold on to a promise because God is not going to honor my prayer. He's going to honor his word that I pray by faith. And I'm going to give you a scripture here. Ezekiel 36, 26. Ezekiel 36, 26. Listen to this is one of the scriptures that I pray when I pray for my family who are not saved. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. Many of my family needs those hearts of stones to be taken out and to receive a heart of flesh. This is what I pray. Only God can do it and I trust him to do that. If that's what is, what's needed, then let him do that. But that's the promise that I stand on concerning God's word. Do you know how many promises we have concerning God's word? I've learned in the Bible school 
that I have got authority, that I've got power, that God's promises are so powerful. Just in the week, because of all this flooding and this rain, we had a situation. I woke up the one morning, I think it was Monday morning, I woke up and it wasn't our time where we live for the load shedding. But the lights were, were on when I switched it on, but none of the plugs were working. I went downstairs and I saw rain and water was coming through the side of the, the wall and was running down to the one socket and the one plug there. And I thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> we've got problems. And I felt despondent in that moment and I decided, <laughs> God, this is, this is not you. This is not you. You know what I did? I know and I've learned that God's promises gives me authority. I went to the DB board in my garage and I put my hand on that DB board and I, because the, 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 the switch was tripping. And I put my hand on that and I prayed and I, and, and I took authority against the devil that he's stealing from me in my house, that he's trying to ruin me and that I know who I am in Christ and I bound those works in the name of Jesus Christ. I did that. Right then I, I pulled that switch and everything went on and the plugs were all working. That is the power of God's promises when we exercise it. I had two very happy daughters and a happy wife because they could all get ready now for the morning and for the day, whatever was lying ahead. But that's the power of God's word. I want you all to just close your eyes and I want all of us to raise our hands to God because I feel led to pray this prayer in any way. I think sometimes people are shy and people are hesitant and I want us all to make this confession because we cannot let anyone leave this church tonight, this building, if you have not made right with God, if you have not confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. So I wanna pray in leading you in prayer and I want everyone to pray this after me. So let's close our eyes and repeat after after me. The punishment of my peace was upon Jesus Christ. By His stripes, I am healed. I thank you, Jesus, that you died for my sins. And I receive you now as Lord of my life. Forgive me my sins and my trespasses. And I forgive all who have sinned against me. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Create in me a clean heart. And renew your steadfast spirit in me. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I thank you that I am saved. Amen. Let's give the Lord a praise offering for that. I saw many of you raised your hands when you said that you have got prophetic promises for your life. If you have not taken it serious, if you haven't got scripture to stand on it, if you haven't got God's promises to connect to that, if it's just been there, I want you to seriously, seriously reconsider what it means. I feel led to pray for those people who have not been able to see those breakthroughs coming. You have been struggling. You have not had that breakthrough. You're probably down when it comes to hope and, and your faith has been impacted by this. And if you just want to receive a 
re-energizing tonight, just a form of encouragement that those promises will become strong in you again and that you believe in them again and that you walk out here in knowing that God's promises are true. I want you to please come to the front for me because I really believe, I really believe that there are people here who are really doubting and some are going through hardships. Wherever you are, will you please stand for me and come to the front? We're just gonna pray over you because thank you, thank you. Don't, don't be shy. Tonight, God will release that courage and that faith again and that belief that what He promised is going to come to pass and you will be encouraged by God's Word. You will receive that encouragement tonight because this is what God wants for you. Please all come to the front and please meet up here together. And I'm going to ask the pastors to help me praying in this. And when we lay hands on you, please understand this. It is a release of God's reminder to you that His promises are yes and amen. He will bring to pass the things that He had spoken over your lives. It is for you to receive it. Ask God then tonight, when you hear or in your own time, ask God, what is the scripture? What is your word that I can connect with this promise? Because your promise must be connected to God's word because it is God's word. All right, so whilst the band is playing, Please let us go ahead and release that blessing upon and that anointing upon the people.
with a song there are people here that I know that you feel discouraged it's been hard it's been a tough year because you seem to remember only the latter part where things have started going wrong perceived by you that it went wrong and God is saying to you tonight even there I've held you in my hand this is not who you are this is not the path that you're gonna walk continuously I'm sifting, says the Lord. I am shaking. You know, I was sitting in a week whilst in preparation, and I felt, in, in one moment, I felt very bad about the people who suffered because of all this flooding and the rain. Because here we pray for the rain, and I, almost, and, I, and I was before God, and I said, Lord, we've prayed for rain, and so many people are suffering because there's flooding and there's harm and there's hurt. 
And you know what the Lord said to me? He said to me, keep your eyes upon me because what is it that you have been praying? What is it that we have been praying on a Saturday? And I'm gonna now, for those who don't come to a Saturday morning, I want to share something with you, some of the prayers that we've prayed. Here's something that over the course of time, some of us who've prayed for rain, we've prayed this, Lord, as the rain comes in the natural, so let it come also in the spirit, in the supernatural. And God said to me this, He said, the flooding came in the natural. The outpouring came in the natural. But now get ready because you've prayed and you've asked and it's gonna come in the Spirit. That's where our eyes must be because it's coming. It is coming. So you will feel feeling downtrodden and you're feeling that it's hard. God is saying there's a shaking coming and I'm gonna pour out myself upon you again. Once more, I will do it and it is coming. I want you to read this with me. Repeat after me. You want a promise tonight? You want a promise from God's Word? Listen to this and say it after me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes, my, he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul and leads me in the path of righteousness for His name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's give the Lord a praise offering for that promise. How is that for a promise? We're going out with this song. Believe when you sing this because God is going to bless you in this season and you will have what you've asked for because God's promises are yes and amen.
close off, I just want to share a testimony, something that I had in my notes and God reminded me of this. Quite a few years ago, I went to a Christian camp, a men camp, men's camp. And on the last day of this camp, we were all standing there and we were praising and worshiping and we were closing off for the, for the weekend. And in front there stood an elderly man. He was 80, I still remember, 80 or just above 80. He was standing there and with him was his son and his grandson. And we were all praising God, hands in the air. And after we finished the song, he said to the ministry team, I've been raised not to raise my hands. I find it strange that these men here raise their hands. I think it is wrong because this is how I was taught. But I see them raising their hands and there must be something to it. I don't know if I can do this, but I want you to pray for me because I also want to experience what it is to raise my hands to God. 80 years old, this man said this. We closed off with two songs. First song, nothing much happened. At the start of the second song, after 80 years, this man raised his hands to God and everybody was so elated and joyful because God is patient and His promises stand. This man, after 80 years, was able to raise his hands to God in worship. It's not too late for you. It's never too late for you. Amen. Your breakthrough is coming. God is not moved by time. Let's raise our hands to the heavens. Holy Father God, as we bring this night to a close, Lord, we are aware of the presence of your Spirit. And my prayer is, Lord, that this will not depart and leave us, that we take it with us to wherever we go, that we will be strengthened tonight in knowing that every praise be to our God, because God, you are our Savior and you are our healer. And come and do it then in the lives of these people and those who are listening via the live stream. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you this day, now, tomorrow, and forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray this and we all agree and we say, Amen.